so he loves that. He's wearing his um, gold medals. They're all clinking together. And he passes up this little kid. It was like a Disney moment. It was perfect. This little boy, he's five, six years old, says to him, oh, my God, he won two, two golds. Nathan's like, yeah. He goes, I want to do that someday. It's like a Disney, it was like a Disney movie moment. And then Nathan looks at him and says, I bet you will. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Rising Father Podcast. I'm Chris Rodak. We had an awesome weekend with my son's jujitsu tournament. And I just want to take you through it because so many groundbreaking lessons happened in his life. He's nine years old, and he had many moments where his world was just rocked, and he had breakthroughs, breakthroughs physically and breakthroughs as a child. He had some breakthroughs that some adults I know, some 40-year-old men haven't even had yet. But he was guided through these failures and these mistakes and these huge triumphs he had. Any any moment he had this weekend, we made sure, me and Sarah made sure that we were intentional about using it as a teachable moment to help him work through it. Because whenever you're at a jujitsu tournament and you're fighting strangers in front of hundreds of screaming people on a mat, it's just you and one other person. The ref says go, you slap hands, and then you just attack the other person. That is terrifying for anyone, for any adult. You th- think about right now, if you're, if you're not in martial arts and you've never done anything like that, you've never wrestled, you've never, you know, even playing football is different because you're on a field far away and you're in the midst of like 20-some people. This is, you're five, six feet away from a crowd of people. Your dad's there watching you, your parents, your friends and family are watching you, your coach is watching you, there's hundreds of people around you, and you're like a gladiator. You're out there fighting, and you slap in, and it's just boom, go. And at that point, you have to have the the right mentality, because if you're cautious, if you're scared, then you're going to screw up. You're going to be tentative. And while you're thinking about what to do, while you're waiting for the other person to react, the match will already be over. Or he'll be on top of you, he'll score points, and he's on his way to submitting you. That was something that Nathan used to do. He used to slap in, start the fight, and then wait. We used to wait until he was comfortable, and he would react to what the other guy was doing instead of imposing himself onto the other guy. And there's there's a... time for doing the other one if you're very very experienced you're the Gordon Ryan type or Marcelo Garcia type who can just kind of sit back and it doesn't matter what happens to you you can just destroy a guy but when you're a nine-year-old kid and you slap in like the thing that makes most of them stuck in place is just fear it's being scared it's the same as my my son's on this really competitive basketball league and there's some kids in this league who are just insanely good. I mean, they're eight, nine years old. They're taking private basketball lessons multiple times a week, and they're just dribbling between their legs, juking out, have more moves than I do. You know, I played basketball up through high school, not in, like, the high school basketball team, but me and my friends played hours every single day. So we were pretty good. But, man, some of these nine-year-old kids, they could blow me out of the water. Like, they're juking so fast, and it's crazy. And Nathan spends most of his time on CrossFit and Jiu-Jitsu on his individual kind of combat muscle sports 
So, but he's still way better than I was at basketball at his age. I mean, he would blow me out of the water as a nine-year-old. But he's in this league with all these really competitive kids, and it's a little scary. And for him, you know, I'm I always try to link jujitsu with basketball to help his mentality because he goes out there and he's a little bit tentative. He's a little bit scared, and he could perform better, not necessarily by practicing more layups. But by just getting over his fear, like he would, and he would hustle more, not if he just prefer for the fact of not being lazy, like because he's not. He would hustle more if he didn't have that fear of okay, if I run to this corner of the court, what do I do? I don't know. What if, if someone throws me the ball? What do I do? So that's the same kind of fear as you have in the jujitsu tournament, and but the fear from basketball comes also from him just being less experienced, and oh my god, if someone throws me the ball, what do I do? But this past weekend, after his jiu-jitsu tournament, which I'll tell you about what happened, he also did really well. So at his jiu-jitsu tournament, he had seven straight submissions and got double gold. So he had a gi match, or he had uh, three gi matches, four no-gi matches, won every single one of them in about a minute or less, submitted every single kid, and won gold in each division for his age and weight division which was vastly better than he's done over the past years. And I talked to him yesterday, and we recorded a podcast about this, just me and Nathan. So we'll have a me and Nathan podcast coming out shortly. And we talked about the lessons from this tournament, why he thinks he did good, and what he can take from it. Because I really wanted this, these lessons to sink in. Because life can happen to us. And we can either learn from life or we can ignore all the lessons that happen. The failures happen and we can even learn from we can either learn from the failure or we can say, Woe is me, that failure happened to me instead of that failure happened for me. This negative this thing I perceive as negative thing happened to me. And it's either a lesson that I can level myself up with or it's this thing that's holding me down. There were multiple times this weekend where we were able to take lessons. So over the past couple of years, you know, Nathan's been at the bottom of his age division in the 8-9. So when he was first turned 8, he had a couple of tournaments, and he did okay. And then he had multiple tournaments where he didn't medal at all, and he, he, he lost every single match. When he first started jiu-jitsu, his very first tournament, he won two matches, lost two matches, didn't make it to any of the finals. But they paired him up with these really experienced kids, and he still did amazingly well. He was like six to eight months into jiu-jitsu, said he wanted to do a tournament. I said, go for it. And at that time, I was really happy that he didn't come out and just dominate. Because if he came out and dominated, it would have set him up for failure for the next tournaments whenever he went up against more competitive kids. And I remember that very first tournament, he had some tears when he – lost on the big stage and people were watching him but I was able to calmly work him through those emotions so that it didn't cripple him because there's also kids who cry at the jiu-jitsu tournament when they lose and it cripples them meaning that they say they have six matches and they break down in tears on the first match they never recover emotionally and they just feel weak inside you know how think back to you were in grade school and like you got bullied or someone picked on you 
and you just had that sickening feeling in the in your stomach, and you just felt weak, and like you could just you were frozen. That's what happens to some kids out there on the mat whenever they lose, because it's not just it's not like you're losing a checkers game whenever you lose at jujitsu. You are being you are giving up in front of hundreds of people because you feel like you could die, you feel, or a limb is going to be broken. You know, whenever you stop a jujitsu match and you're on the losing side, you're doing it because it hurts so bad you can't take it anymore. Or you feel like you're going to go unconscious. Those are the two reasons. So there's there could be some embarrassment. There could be some feelings of failure. There could just be some, some fear of, oh, my gosh, this is terrifying. And kids do jujitsu at four years old. You know, there's there are some four or five years old doing these tournaments too. And we started our kids really young so that this kind of thing would be normal to them so that they would go into these situations and not be full of fear and that they could just get used to kids on top of them and in these combat situations and not freak out. I never did any type of martial arts whenever I was little. We just, me and my brothers just rolled around and wrestled all the time. But I I would never have been used to a large kid on my back choking me with good technique. I would have freaked out. But now my kids, it's not a big deal to them because they they do it every single week, multiple, three, four times a week, and then also in front of hundreds of people. So they are used to suffering. They're used to the pain. They're used to these fearful situations, and it's just play to them. It's normal to them. You should watch my daughter at jujitsu practice. She just giggles the whole time. You know, she'll, she'll go up against kids that are big, um, kids that are her size, and she just has this amazing guard. Her knees are always up real high. No one can get past her legs. And she's seven years old. She's been doing it for two about two years now. And, you know, kids will choke her out. Kids will get on top of her, go to mount. Kids will take her back. And she's just smiling, laughing the whole time. And imagine being – think of maybe your kid or another – or a friend, one of your kid's friends who are that age, just like a six-, seven-year-old girl, how small and frail they are, and having another kid on top of them choking them, what they, how they would react. You know, probably freak out, cry, and be done for the day. My daughter, she just laughs and giggles, and it's normal to her. So if the situation ever happens, when it happens, whenever she's confronted by a bully of some sort or someone's trying to hurt her in some way, it's not going to be a big deal to her. She knows how to she knows how to sweep them. She knows how to take them down. She knows how to break their arms. She knows how to choke them out. And it's just going to be natural to her, these self-defense things. So Nathan has been doing this every single every single week. And we're at this tournament, and he, he just crushes. He just dominates because he's used to pushing himself. And he's learned from his past failures. So here's what happened. I was telling you about how the past couple years he – well, I talked to, you, talked to you about his first tournament. Let me go back there. So his very first tournament, he won two matches, lost two matches, did really well. His next tournament, he won, I believe, gold. He had just a couple kids in his division, but he still beat everyone and got first place. So he was on top of the world. Next tournament, I think he won silver. Then he won bronze after that. So he had the three tournaments in a row where he was meddling. And he just started to identify himself as the kid who medals and wins jujitsu tournaments. And then he went up to the next age bracket, into the 8-9 age bracket, where he was at the very bottom. And whenever you're a brand new 8-year-old 
going up against, um, you know, an older nine-year-old who's a lot stronger and heavier than you. And you can't be that much heavier because there's a 10-pound weight gap. But still, the muscle difference is very large between a young eight-year-old and a big nine-year-old. So for two or three tournaments, he didn't medal at all. And he had some painful submissions. And he had some painful losses. And it got to the point where you know, he kept on wanting to do tournaments. But then after the third one where he didn't medal, and he, I think he lost maybe every single match or something like that, he didn't want to do any more. And for, so for about eight months, he didn't want to do any tournaments. And which is, I was fine with. I'm not going to push him to do it. I always asked him if he wanted to do tournaments. And he just said no. So I said, okay, that's fine. We kept, he kept on wanting to do jujitsu. He kept on pushing himself at jujitsu and doing really good in class. But he didn't want to do any tournaments because he had this negative memory of it now. And then finally he said, yeah, I want to, I want to do some more tournaments. Because I let him come to this realization on his own. And he was pushing himself in practice in, at, um, at jiu-jitsu practice. Every day he was going really, really hard. He was getting better. He's been doing CrossFit for a couple of years now, so he's getting really strong. And he's starting to feel really confident with himself. So he said, okay, I think I'm ready to do a tournament. He's nine years old. So he has tons of tournaments ahead of him. So he said, all right, let's sign up for it. And we signed up for this tournament. At the, at the last tournaments, the ones where he was losing, he lost by specific ways each time. For the first one, it was the guillotine. He was the match would start and he would stick his head out and the kid would just grab his head, drop to his knees and guillotine him and he was done in ten seconds. Happened multiple times at tournament. He was just out immediately. And he cried a couple times at that tournament. Maybe because it hurt, but mostly from embarrassment and just shock. Because he's used to these matches lasting one, two, three minutes where he comes out a winner and all of a sudden he's done. He's tapping in five, ten seconds. So the tears back then were mostly embarrassment and shock. But that happened for one straight tournament. The second tournament, he was leaving his arms out whenever he's in someone's clothes guard. It's where their legs are around you. And he had his, you're supposed to have your arms tucked into yourself, your elbows back so no one can grab your arms and arm bar you or put you in a triangle. But he wasn't doing that. He was leaving his arms out and putting his arms on a kid's chest so the kid would just grab his arm and arm bar him real quick. And happened two, three times, boom, he was out of that tournament. So we videotaped all these matches. We rewatched them before this tournament. And over the past months, we've been practicing the exact same moves that he was submitted with. So the moves he was submitted with, we would, I taught him how to do those. And now he's really good at those. So he can, he, boom, he taps in, he slaps the kid's hand. I, I taught him to go straight for the guillotine. And then also, when if a kid, if he has a kid in his clothes guard and his arms are out, boom, grab the arm, do an arm bar. And we practiced that for months. And then we also did this new challenge. If you remember before, me and my son did a challenge where uh, we worked out every single day for a year, for 365 days. And that's completed now. Couldn't believe it. I see the first... I watched the first video of our first workout, and he looks so young. And we've been working out every day since then. So it's done. I said, Nathan, what do you want to do, man? He didn't want to do the workout thing again. So I said, okay. I didn't push it on him. I would have loved to have done it again. But then we came up with a better idea. It was his idea. He said, what if we do something with jiu-jitsu? I was like, sure. I said, what if we do a new jiu-jitsu move every week? 
so that at the end of the year, we know 52 new jujitsu moves. And then we have to keep on reviewing them so we don't forget them. And we'll keep a, a Google photo, video album of ourselves. We'll post on our Instagram so we can, we can keep stay accountable. And every single week we'll say move one, move two, just like we did with the workouts. He said, yeah, that's awesome. So we're all the way already at the second week. We know two new jujitsu moves. And for me, I'm thinking, just thinking about like time and compounding. At the end of 365 days, at the end of, at the end of this year, he's going to know 52 new moves because we're tracking it and because we're staying accountable and because we're being intentional about it. He's been in jujitsu for three years, but he doesn't know 52 moves. If I'd been doing this for the past three years, he'd know 156 moves, right? But already over the past two weeks, he knows these two new moves really, really well. And he's really into it. He's all about it. So at the end of 12 months, at 10 years old, he's going to have 50-some new moves that he can just rattle off. As long as I make sure we're intentional about it, we don't forget about it, we don't take it easy on ourselves. We're going on vacation next week that we don't, we don't say, oh, we don't, you know, we're on vacation, we're not going to learn a move. No, we're going to make sure we do it, we'll post it, and we'll stay accountable. But how amazing would that be as a 10-year-old to know 52 moves? Also me, that's going to be me, 36 years old. You know, whenever I'm 37, I'll have 52 new moves that I'll know outside of class. That I'll be able to take into class and dominate. So, or maybe do my own tournament. So he's, this is our, the new challenge we're doing. Um, and we've been practicing these new moves for this tournament. So he had these past failures at the last tournament. And we used those failures to get better, to get to succeed at this tournament. And had we just wallowed in our sorrow and misery and quit jujitsu because he didn't do well at those first couple of tournaments, he would never have won this tournament. Because he learned from the failures of the past tournaments, he's able to succeed at this tournament. I put a video collage together of him getting armbarred two years ago, us working on the armbar, and then him submitting a kid with the same armbar. So it showed the whole circle of failure, from failing to learning to winning, and why you, have, why you need every single one of those parts. If you have no failure, you have no growth. And without that failure, you don't grow. Without the learning, you stay stuck in failure. And without the winning, none of it pays off. You have to go for it. The failure is the stimulus. It's like the stimulus to the muscle. You know, it's like working out to failure. So when you're at the gym and you're doing a bench press to failure, you stimulate that chest growth. And then there's the learning. That's the recovery period. And then there's the winning. That's whenever you come back and get a PR. But you have to get yourself to the gym. You have to take action to do it. If you are someone who wants to lose 50 pounds, get in the best shape of your life, and restart your life, you are in the failure right now. You're in the misery. You're at the bottom of the pit. You're at the point where I remember what it felt like. It felt horrible. And you, it's hard to even imagine a time in the future where it will be different. But you're down there, and you're at the failure point. And then you have to get to the learn from the failure point, which is whenever you start to do something to fix that. So you have to do something to fix the failure, which is maybe go to the gym or hire a coach or join a men's program, like our Man on Fire program, 
just posted a guy who uh, my my man Justin down 39 pounds in four months and just on complete fire. You can look at his check out our Instagram to see his um, before and after. So he's not he's not even done yet. He's just four months in. And then you need the winning part, which is when you take those after photos. And you're like, oh my god, I don't even remember the person I was. That's what whenever I see the man I was a couple of years ago and like a picture of me at the beach and I just was, I talked, you know, my wife would be taking a picture and I was just like, why are you taking a picture of me? I don't want you to take a picture of me. And I'd be resentful that she was even daring to take a picture of me. How, didn't she know that I didn't like the way I looked? And I would see those fat pictures of myself and I would say, man, who is that guy? That doesn't look like, I don't remember ever being that fat, but I was, I was that fat. And it took a stimulus for me to go on the journey of learning and of understanding nutrition, of working out, but most importantly, being able to push myself past my previous threshold. Like there was a point in the past where I would push myself and I would always stop because it became too uncomfortable, too new, too risky, or I had to invest in myself um, or you know, whatever it was. There was a point where I would just stop and revert back to my previous habits over and over again and that happened for a decade happened for years if you watch the video there's a video on my man on fire website where i take you through my whole story i'm very brutal with myself about how i was showing up and how i fixed it and how i'm fixing it now for myself and other people and you can watch that i'm just really honest about man i just didn't i didn't have it going on and i was stuck in a cycle of Starting and stopping, starting and stopping, getting motivated, then giving myself excuses and buying my own bullshit, buying the own lies, buying the lies I was telling myself about why I was actually fine, why I didn't have to invest in myself, why, you know, because I was living my life by emotion. So whenever I felt good, I would tell myself that I was good enough. Whenever I felt bad, I would get motivated to do something. And then as soon as that emotion would change, I'd be back to thinking I was good enough. So no real change was happening. I was just riding the roller coaster of emotion and lying to myself constantly. And that is the plight of many men that do nothing in their life. That's, that's what happens to many men who just accomplish nothing, who, who start fat and end fat. You know, they, they're at a nine to five they don't like. They work it. Their whole life, you know, once they get past the point of feeling like they can quit, then they say everyone else is is cheating somehow or everyone else, you know, has got their riches unfairly. And they have, to, they have to create a story to themselves about why the decisions they've made are the right decisions. Otherwise, other people's lives are a mirror that they have to look into. So say... I know I'm getting off topic from the jujitsu thing, but we'll circle around. That's okay. You guys know how this goes. Um, say you are at a nine to five and you're out of shape and your best friend works the exact same job as you and is also at the same nine to you know, at the nine to five, but is also out of shape. You both hate your job. Okay. But your friend one day says, you know what? I think I can leave. I think there's more for me. And he tells you that and it scares you a little bit. Because if he leaves, you're losing your best friend. You're, 
you're you're losing your life part of it, you know, because you're used to spending a lot of your life with this guy. And he also says, you know, I can get in better shape too. I can be a different person. I don't have to be this forever. And he starts waking up earlier. He starts going to the gym. He starts not going to the faculty lounge to eat. He eats by himself. He packs his own meals. He meal preps. He starts counting his macros and watching his nutrition. And he starts journaling, taking cold showers in the morning, going to bed earlier, cuts out alcohol, cuts out soda. And after a couple months, like, man, he's down 20 pounds. He looks different. He's talking different. He feels different. He has more of a fire to him. He's more confident. He's still at the same job. And you're like, uh-oh. You start to get a little scared, even resentful, because you can tell this guy's destined for greatness. You can tell something's changing within this man, and you feel a little dead inside, right? You still feel a little dead inside. And then you start to make jokes at him, like, huh, why don't you live it up like I am? You know, I stay up late at night. I play video games. What, you're not even going to have some whiskey? You're not going to smoke with me? And he's just stoic and disciplined and says, nope, going to bed. And then as you wake up at 8 o'clock, you check your phone. He's been awake for three, four hours, crushing it at the gym, in the sauna, meditating, journaling. And then you get really scared. You're like, uh-oh, this guy, this guy might actually become a success. And then this guy feels so confident with himself, so great about himself, that other people start to notice and say, hey, I want to work with someone like that guy. This guy is so disciplined. He's reliable. He doesn't take the easy way out. This, who is this guy? Like, I, This is the kind of guy that I want to be on my team. And then that guy gets a job offer from a high-paying job that's different than your job. Or he's so confident that he starts his own business in whatever. He says, I've been able to prove to myself that I can do something that I thought was impossible. Sure, I can start a business. It's okay if it fails. It's okay if there's a mistake. Because if there is a mistake or, or there is failure, I can just figure it out. It's not a big deal. So then he quits his job, starts his own business, or maybe he takes that better job. He has turned himself into the man that other people want to work with and turned himself into the man that believes so down deeply in who he is, what he, what he can accomplish, that he's not afraid of failure. And you're still the way you are. You're still fat, still undisciplined, still living the good life, right? So living the good life, living it up, drinking, playing video games, watching football all Sunday. Well, this guy's building his business and you're you're a little jealous. You're a little resentful because this guy did what you could have done, right? So say it took him six months to do this from start to finish. Within six months, he completely transformed his body, quit his nine to five, and now runs his own business. But you are doing the exact same thing that you've always done, and physically the same or worse. You have to, at that point, justify to yourself why you are the way you are, or else you're going to go crazy. You have to either accept that you're just a lesser person, or you have to create a story to yourself that justifies why you are the way you are and why it makes sense that he is the way he is. You, know, you might say, well, he got maybe he got money from his parents or he had more time to work on this, 
than I do. My, you know, I've got a dog, I've got kids at home. It's too crazy for me. Maybe in five years, in five years, my life will be better. Right now, I just have to accept where I am. Um, or that guy cheated. That guy got super lucky. I, I'm I'm down on my luck. I never had like you have to. Your brain goes crazy, and your ego is going crazy at that point. It's it's like a pivotal moment for you. You have to decide whether it's your time to rise, or it's your time to accept that you're gonna live a lesser life. And you have to be okay with that. Either either direction. What causes eternal torture is whenever you lie to yourself and try to keep up that lie. Whenever you say to yourself, I couldn't have done it, even though you're basically the exact same person on the exact same timeline. You could have done it, but you tell yourself you couldn't have done it when deep inside you know you could have. So it's it's like your soul is telling you that you could have done it, but your brain, your ego is telling you that you couldn't have done it because your ego is trying to protect your your ego is trying to protect itself, but your soul is like, let me free. Let me be the man I know that's inside. Please just let me be that man. And your stupid ego and your brain saying, no, you couldn't have done it. Things are too hard for you right now. There's no way. Just keeping you stuck forever. And then you look over and this guy and he's making more money. He's, he's confident with his family. He's living a great life right now. He looks great. He feels great. He's confident. And then you're just having this internal battle with yourself of you just justifying to yourself why you are the way you are. So that happens to guys, and some of them keep up these lies forever to protect themselves. Some of them get very bitter. I know like many teachers who wanted to leave, who were des- who could have been amazing at so many things, but didn't want to teach, continued teaching, and then they just get super jaded and bitter. Like I didn't want to be like that. That's why I had to do something different. I had to do what I was, I had to go somewhere where my potential was not capped. You know, there's some professions and careers where it doesn't matter what you do, you are capped. I had to go somewhere where I wasn't capped. And, you know, you look at people who are doing more and it forces a mirror onto yourself where you say, Either I can I can do that too, and it's a motivating thing for you, or you say, they cheated. I can't do that because blah, blah, blah. You know, whatever, the, whatever excuse you have to give yourself to make yourself feel good, to get yourself through the day so you can sleep at night, whatever lies you tell yourself. I go through it all the time when guys um, talk to me about joining my program. I, you know, if you're in sales... Many of you listening are in sales positions. Um, you have, you know, it's part of it is a numbers game. You, you're, it's a filtering process. You try to find the people who are ready to act, who are ready to change your life, and who are ready to accept help. And you run into some people who are in, they're not there yet. They're in the process of just lying to themselves. So they will, they'll fill out the application. They'll talk to you on Instagram. They'll have a, even have a call with you, but they're not, they just are tricking themselves into thinking they want to act. And then whenever it comes time to act, you know, they, they realize, oh, shit, I was just lying to myself. I'm not ready to do this. And then you have other people who, like the Justin guy's telling you about, who we just posted, who's like, no, I'm all in. Like, it's now or never. I'm ready to change my life right now. And then they just go all in. They change their life, and they're a different man forever.
and you run into both types of people. So you could be at any one of these moments, but the thing that I would say is be honest with yourself as to where you are. Stop lying to yourself. If you continue to lie to yourself, you're just creating this chaotic web that's hard to discern what's reality and what's not. You know, what is, what really is true? Who am I? I was talking to a guy on our, one of our, our brotherhood call yesterday. And we have a Monday 12 p.m. EST call, one of our three calls, uh, one of our three weekly calls. So I was talking to him and he was saying that he just doesn't feel right. He just doesn't feel good and he feels a little lost. So I said, well, have you been off your routines? Have you been counting your macros? Have you been hitting the gym? I said, no. I've been really sloppy the past week. That is why. Because now he's lost his identity. He's lost part of his identity. Because he was, he's in this hazy gray area of, am I the, guy, am I the disciplined guy who works out and goes to the gym and does follow, follows his macros? Or am I the guy who sleeps in, eats whatever he wants, and doesn't work out? I'm telling myself I'm this guy, but I'm acting like this guy. So he's, he has one foot in each pool, and he, he's not all in. Because he's not all in in either direction, he's in this torturous middle ground where he's having an identity crisis. And you could do the right thing for a year straight, and then you can have a couple days where you go off your, your routines and you feel like that old self. But then... You do the next seven days, you hit all your routines, you hit all your, you know, you hit all your gym, uh, you go to the gym, you hit all your accountability, boom, you feel like an amazing person again, because now you're doing the things that the real you is doing. So no identity crisis. But anyway, let's circle back to the, the jujitsu. So we learned from our failures, and he um, had all these great submissions that he learned because he was submitted before. Had he not failed before, he would not have won this time. So he learned from those. And then a couple other amazing things happened, breakthrough moments for him for the rest of the tournament. As we were leaving, you know, he has his gold medals around his neck. They're shaped into shape of sharks. So he loves that. He's wearing his, um, his gold medals. are all clinking together. And he passes up this little kid. It was like a Disney moment. It was perfect. This little boy, he's five, six years old, says to him, oh, my God, he won two, two golds. Nathan's like, yeah. He goes, I want to do that someday. It's like a Disney, it was like a Disney movie moment. And then Nathan looks at him and says, I bet you will. And I heard the whole thing. And I was never more proud of my son than at that moment. Never more proud. It's nothing. That was better than him winning the golds was him using his success to inspire another person. And then that I wrote that moment down because I said, this has so many great lessons in it. Because Nathan decided to push himself, decided to suffer in the gym, decided to become great, he can now inspire other people. If he was just one of the many video game playing kids that you know, is overweight, obese, and just does nothing, if I allowed him to become that, and he allowed himself to become that, then he wouldn't have been able to inspire this kid. This kid right now could be thinking about Nathan and trying harder. He could be working out, watching what he eats, and potentially change his life forever because he was inspired 
by Nathan being great at that moment. And we, I discussed this with Nathan. I said, because you decided to be great and push yourself and not give up, you changed this kid's life. And he just smiled. He, he let that sink in. We all let that sink in. It made him feel so good. He was even felt like more happy and proud than whenever he picked up those gold medals. And then afterwards, we, we went to the pool, hot tub. We kind of chilled out there for a little bit, let everyone just decompress, take a shower, relax in the pool. And Nathan sit in the hot tub. He says, Dad, I feel weird. I don't feel normal. So what, physically, do you not feel good? He said, no. He's like, it's like on the inside. And I knew exactly what was wrong because I go through this too. I'm the same kind of person. So I said, do you feel like you should be happier that you won? And he said, yes. Like he, like he was like, he couldn't define what was bothering him and that just clicked. He said, yes, that's it. And so I just smiled. I said, Nathan, I said, welcome, man. This is what I go through. This is what many, this is what many people go through. And guess what? That's because you're a winner. That's because you are someone who's going to achieve great things. So I, and I said, just let the feeling sink in. Don't run from it. There's nothing wrong with having that feeling. Just let it wash over you. And what that is is you won the gold, and now you want the next thing. I said, you're already thinking about the next tournament, right? I said, yeah. And he told me earlier how he was already thinking about, man, I need to eat clean so the next tournament – um, I'm good to go, so I'm ready to go for the next tournament. And I said, that's that's what I do too. As soon as my wife yells at me, as soon as I have a great accomplishment, I enjoy it for one minute, and then I'm back to working for the next thing. Like I don't take a week off and and just enjoy what I've done. And he said to me on his own, he said, I kind of liked the the actual tournament, the rolling, better. I said, so you, whenever you were actually in there fighting kids and in between the matches when it was like exciting and you were working, I said, you like that part the most, more than the medals? And he said, yes. I said, yes, man. I said, so the journey was the best part. So being in the mix, being in the fight and the actual journey was better than the results, than the goal, than, than getting the medals. He said, yeah. I said, that, there's nothing wrong with that. That just means that you're someone who always likes to achieve things. I said, and that's some people are like that. I'm like that. And you're obviously like that too. I said, so just enjoy it because that means you're destined for great things. And now you know that the result you're getting isn't the goal. It's who you become in the process. It is the journey. It's the day-to-day. It's who you are. And on our podcast yesterday, he went into that which is it was a great podcast. And he went into that. He said that in his own little nine-year-old boy words about how he just working towards it was the best part. So I was really, really proud of him about doing that. And he had a couple other moments in the tournament where, you know, he was in tears. He got elbowed in the eye by a girl and um, like 10 seconds into the match and he was crying and he came over to me and then he went back and continued the match and then ended up winning that one. And then also, he won gold in gi, and then his very first match in no gi, he walks out onto the mat, and the ref goes, you have five minutes to change your shorts or you're going to be disqualified. I said, what? 
that you can't have pockets in your shorts. And this is our fourth and probably third year of doing these tournaments, and no one has ever said anything about pockets in their shorts. He's every single tournament, he said pockets in their shorts. So we said, okay, can we turn them inside out? I said, nope. So what we had to do was go grab his friend's shorts who didn't have pockets, change, and then the person he was competing against also didn't know about this rule and had the wrong shorts, so they were freaking out. So my wife ran to the merch store, bought these shorts that were compliant that they happened to be selling for $40. These little kid gym shorts for $40. And she bought a pair of those. We gave those to the person he was fighting so they could fight. And then Nathan wore his friend's shorts, and then they ended up having it. But, you know, Nathan just won gold, and then he walks out onto the mat. He's expecting to just dominate because he's going up against these same kids. And the guy says, nope, you're going to be disqualified. You know, you'll get nothing. So he he just breaks down at that point. And I had to pull him off to the side, calm him down, and talk him through this. And then once he had the right shorts on, we went back onto the mat, and I said, Nathan, this is actually a really good opportunity for you. He's like, why? He said, because the other kid you're fighting right now, they might not be as calm as you are right now. You know, they might be freaking out about this whole shorts thing, but if you don't let it get to you, if you can just stay calm and stay in the moment and just not let it bother you, then you can have a really big advantage. He's like, okay. And he kind of wiped his tears away, got it together, won the match. So just an amazing weekend full of moments, full of lessons, full of great growth for everyone. And the best part of all of it, honestly, the, the very best thing that happened was my son telling another boy that, someday he's going to be great just inspiring him you know and that's that's what we all need to do is that's our job as fathers it's to inspire people i remember older men all throughout my life whether it's my my own dad or a professor or a coach or mentor of some 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 kind making me feel special and making me feel on fire and powerful because they believed in me so now that's our job. That's what we have to do to our kids and other people as leaders, as fathers, as husbands, as, as men. That's what we are supposed to be doing. So we have to step up. We have to become that kind of person that can inspire and light a fire in other people. So that means we have to do things that are uncomfortable. We have to push ourselves. Or else, guess what? We're going to die and have a life full of regret. And we don't want that. We want to be able to look back and say, man, I gave everything. I went 100%. I went all in, especially with my family. All right, guys, thank you so much. If you're listening to this, if you enjoyed it, please leave a five-star review wherever you are listening. That really helps this podcast get out to people. People message me every day and say they've been listening to this podcast for a long time, and it's changing their life with the guests, with the perspectives, and it's because someone sent them the podcast. So I appreciate every time you've done that. My life, when I have these level ups in my life, it's not because of something inside of me that sparked. It's because someone else sparked something inside of me that I didn't know was there. Maybe I listened to something. Maybe a coach told me something. Maybe it's a friend or family, someone. But it was because someone else reached into me and lit a fire. And then I was able to give that to other people. So anytime you do that, 
you're helping to lift other people up. So I appreciate that. All right, guys. Talk to you soon.